It's okay. morning and welcome to the International Church of Illness. Uh, I'm Pastor Matthew Steinfeld. It's great to see you all here and uh, to be able to worship our Lord and Jesus, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ this morning. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. As we gather this morning to worship our risen Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, He's given us through the gospel. Remember, that we come here only by the grace of God the Father, who raised Jesus from the dead. Thank you, O merciful God. Our first hymn this morning is 51, We Will Glorify. If you'd stand and sing, please.
brothers and sisters in Christ, we can approach our God and Father honestly and sincerely to tell of the ways we have lived that are against Scripture and our Lord Jesus Christ. Most merciful God, we have broken your law in our words, thoughts, and actions. We have also neglected your commands to love, forgive, and bless others. We are sorry and do not want to continue to live in the ways we do. We claim the forgiveness and blessing of Christ Jesus through the gospel that you have offered to us. Please continue to forgive us. Lord, have mercy. Our God promises to forgive us if we receive his means of forgiveness through the gospel of Jesus Christ. God has heard our prayer and will remain faithful to us as we trust in this gift of life. Amen. Amen. Our responsive reading this morning comes from Psalm 105. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. You, his servants, the descendants of Abraham, his chosen ones, the children of Jacob. He is our Lord, our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Our second hymn this morning is number 55, All Creatures of Our God and King. If you remain standing and sing, please.
Our first scripture reading this morning comes from Genesis chapter 3. Verses 1 through 11 and verse 22 as well. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading comes from Galatians 3. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And our last reading, our gospel reading this morning comes from John 8. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you were looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You were doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to the father, to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies... He speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. This is the gospel of Christ. Praise to you, O Christ. Uh, please be seated. I think we're all familiar with Genesis chapter 3 and the story that, that many people now call the fall of humanity. But I wanted it to look at it maybe from a, a perspective that I was thinking about today uh, and earlier this week specifically. And that's this. There was no hiring process for the garden. There was no trial run. There was no selection. There was no application process. The two people that were created in God's image were placed there Notice that the blessing of the garden, the blessing of Eden, was given to these two people before they did anything. And I think that's important because in this passage uh, that we've been studying in our small group, Galatians, uh, this, this text, Galatians, and also in the teachings of Jesus, 
there's this conflict between what comes first. Do we get blessed by God and then follow the law? Or in the case of the Galatians, think, well, we have to follow the law and also the Jews and the Pharisees. We follow the law in order to receive the blessings of God. And Paul looks back to Abraham, but I think we can go further. And this text is, is rich for that. But I want to start by saying that the blessing came first. God created out of nothing before anyone did anything, before anyone was and chose to bless. And during and well, after the blessing, it was the people that began to doubt God's promise. And that's when they started to think that they were missing out on something bigger which we see in the story here. And that feeling of missing out or, or, or not experiencing the fullness of what they maybe should think that they do from God, that God should lead them to something that's more fulfilling, leads them to action that they take, which is the eating of the fruit. But I wanted to start by saying that the blessing came first. God chose to create. And we'll see how this plays out. So, blessing comes first. He places the man and the woman in the garden before the laws, before there's no placard on the tree when they show up that says don't eat. They're already blessed and placed there. It's only after that they've received the blessings of God that they're given this command not to eat. Serpent shows up. Did God really say? He's belittling the commands of God. He's, he's causing doubt to, to, to be present. He tries to get them to think through what they actually know. He challenges what they've been told. We may eat, but God said not to eat. You will not surely die. God knows. Not only does he create this seed of doubt... But he also introduces something else that God only knows. Well, God knows something that you don't and that there's something more. There's something more to have, which makes it even more enticing. And then he doubles down and says, not only does God know something that you don't, but he knows that if you do this, you will be like him, which creates tension between them and the God that they've come to know. Improvement. Missing out, doubt. Think about this. This, is, this story is about us too. When we live our lives, we may be Christians and have faith and sense the blessing of God in our life, but then there's, there's, there's things that come up. Maybe it's an outward experience of, of some type of, like a person or an event that, that causes us to doubt and think, is this really true? And then there may be a little bit of a, a whisper of, we're missing out on something bigger in our lives because of our faith. And that may cause us to take action, action that goes against what we've come to know is true. So the woman says, it says, it says that she saw it was pleasing and desirable and effective for something that she wanted. and She gave it to her husband. The safety in numbers. When we tend to feel this, it's often in the safety of numbers of people who maybe are influencing us in the wrong way to lead us somewhere that's, that's not where God would have us. Which is why we, we, we come here together as a group, not just to celebrate the blessing and, and, and the gospel of Christ, but to come in numbers. This, this opening passage that we started with, where there are two or three in my name, there I am with them. It reminds us of what we hold to, of what we believe. But in this case, it leads them away. And it says their eyes were opened. Verse 7. They realized that they were naked. Now Paul in Galatians 3 and, and later on in, or in earlier in Romans 7, he says the purpose of the law was to bring about the awareness of sin. And that's in his argument to try to convince the Galatians that you can't earn righteousness through the law. And it's proven here that the law's purpose was to, if they broke it, for them to realize what they had done. And it just so happened that the fruit that they ate caused them to see the difference between good and evil. And so they began to notice themselves themselves. 
Many of us in our Christian life, our, our doubts and our sense of missing out in the world come from a very high awareness of ourselves. What we need, what we fall short in, maybe what we want. The self-awareness, comparison, seeing things on television or the internet that causes us to think, oh, I want that. I don't have that. I need that. It's, it's the wonderful application of marketing and promotion that gets us to think that way. But it's also something inside our hearts that feels incomplete. And it's something here that's revealed. Their eyes are open and they see that they're naked. When we experience a breaking of the law in our lives, the gospel tells us the point isn't so we can just sit and think, oh, what have we done and sulk in our failures, but it should lead us to something that we need. Now we're, we'll get to that at the end of the story, but instead of going back to the gospel, instead of going for us, instead of going back to God, it says they sowed leaves to cover themselves. So the, one of the very first things that happened when this sin entered into the garden between the man and the woman is that they became aware of themselves, but also they began to be aware of the other person. That our sin causes us to look at other people and think of the, where their leaves are and kind of pluck those leaves away and point and say, that's where you fall short. That's why some of us are judge, judgmental or all of us are judgmental. I was thinking the other day, seeing a lot of people walking down Bocachu and um, this idea of people watching. Like you ask most people, like, why do people people watch? And they say, oh, well, it's fun. Well, why is that fun? Because there's something about us that likes to, to see the difference between people and maybe even in our minds assess those differences or to laugh at people in our minds or judge them or envy them or wear what they're wearing the next time you go to the mall. Or it's, it's this kind of fun thing to do to, to look at people's leaves and say, how are they different? Where do they fall short? Where, it's easy to judge, especially when we're aware of our own sin. We tend to, at least I do, look for faults in other people that I find in myself. Notice that this causes relational trouble between two people who supposedly were made in the image of God and were perfect and were sinless and had no awareness of darkness, now are in conflict. And humanity has been picking those leaves out ever since, which is why we see war and conflict. Now, this is a really important part of the story in verse 8 because it says they heard the sound of God in the garden. I sometimes wish that the Bible was more specific, that it would say more detail. But if we think about what it's indirectly saying is that the people, the man and the woman, were familiar. They recognized the sound. What does that tell us? That tells us that God had been there before. Maybe he comes every day. He says at the specific time, at the cool of the day. Maybe this was something that they looked forward to experiencing life in relation with the one true God. It's remarkable. But this particular instance caused them in their self-awareness, in their realization of their fight or their conflict with each other, and now they started to realize the difference between their relationship with God because of what they had chose to do. They heard the sound of God in the garden. Now, this, this might be a metaphorical stretch. I think this is what's happening, and I've tried to find it in, in other research on the Bible, and I haven't. So I think this might be an original thought. But it says they hide behind the trees. The first instinct is to hide behind something so they, don't, so they aren't seen by God. Now, one of the interesting things about the language, um, the Hebrew language, the word for tree is etz. And in Deuteronomy 21, 
they talk about he talks about being hung on a tr- hung on a tree as punishment. And later on in Acts in the New Testament in chapter five, the apostles in their preaching are, are referring to in the the cross as a tree. I think it's interesting, and I think it's it's a little bit of a play on words, and, and maybe in the mind of the Jewish person that they hide behind this thing that they know, maybe not at the time, but they hide behind something that is going to protect them from God's judgment and goes between them and God. And we'll also get to that in a second. But God says, where are you? He asks them. He wants to draw them out. He knows where they are. He doesn't need to ask. But do they know where they are? Do they know where they are? He's offering them a chance to confess. When I think about our Christian life, when we fall short, when we beat ourselves up, when other people beat, our, beat us up, maybe it's family or friends or maybe it's someone on the street pointing out flaws in us, people at work that tell us that, that we're, we're, we're failing at something that causes us to think bad about ourselves. God is calling you saying, where are you? Because if you're, if you're in the midst of doubt, if you're thinking that you're missing out, if you think that the blessings of God aren't enough, you're somewhere hiding. You're behind a tree somewhere. He's saying, come out. That's the, that's the beauty of the gospel. So many people think that the gospel is, I become a Christian, and therefore I have to be perfect or God wants to judge me. And it's backwards. We're imperfect. God does not want to judge you. He wants to bless you. But it comes through Jesus. It comes through Christ. Where are you? God's asking you that this morning. We have a chance to confess, which we will later on, but maybe in our hearts too, of something that we've been holding on to. Maybe it's judgment. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's a misunderstanding of what Christ has done. And notice, he says in verse 10, the man, I was afraid, I was naked, and I hid. It's instinctual. It's instinctual. It's natural for us to run from God, especially when we're sinful. How did you know? How did you know you were sinful? How did you know you were naked? How did you come to be like this? And the answer is we chose it. We chose it. We reached up and we saw that it appeared to be good and that whatever it was that caused us to think that it was better, we believed it. We continue to pick the fruit of the world today. We're sinful today. You will be sinful today. If you're normal, you will be. And yet, it's so important to realize that the problems that we see in the world are be based on our choices. So we see that he, there's a subsequent chain of blame. The man blames the woman. The woman blames the serpent. Blame shifting. And now I wanted to jump to verse 21 and verse 22 because... It says the Lord made animal skins. Now, God created them naked. God doesn't have a problem with their nakedness. They have a problem with their nakedness. Look at his continual provision for them. It's not for him. He doesn't care if they're naked. They care. He creates animal skins for them. Animal skins are more permanent than leaves. But it also shows that an animal died for this. To get the skins, there had to be some type of sacrifice, which I think is a drawing on what's to come in the future. It's a provision based on our needs. Now, if we're really, really honest when we ask the question, when we answer the question, where are you from God? The answer should reveal our need. What do we need from Christ? Why is the gospel essential? Great questions for us to ask today. Now it says, 
in verse 22 that, that God says, well, man's become like one of us. And what he means is, is that he's been able to uh, see the difference between good and evil, which means that he has the option to choose evil in perpetuity. So he says, protect him from the permanent harm of taking from the tree of life after you've sinned because then you will live forever and possibly sin forever. So notice that there's a protection from that, that there's a protection and a provision, a continual provision of God to protect us from ourselves. I said that blessing started in the garden before the law and the blessing led to doubt for the people based on their own thinking, led to them missing out, which led them to action, which is the take of the fruit. And I want to say, and I want to put forward, that Christ does the exact opposite of those lines of events. Blessing, doubt, missing out to action for sin. And he comes in action to address our sin. And he encourages us to miss out on the world for the sake of the kingdom, which is truly an improvement. And instead of doubt, he causes us to have faith and trust and to be secure in where we are. Why? Because of his blessing. His actions leads and undoes the issues that we have created that keep us from experiencing the blessing of God. The story which is why I think it's interesting that they hide behind trees, is because now, in, like the New Testament, the cross isn't always referred to as a tree, but sometimes it is, and it's especially mentioned as a tree by the apostles because they're Jewish, and I think they're understanding this. But we as Christians hide behind the tree of Christ, the cross of Christ. When we sense God's presence and we sense that we are sinful and we can't withstand the judgment that comes, we hide behind the tree of Christ, the cross of Christ, and declare that we can be in the presence of God based on what he says. That we no longer need these coverings. That we no longer need this relational strife between us to wrestle to the top. That we can be equals that we can be loving and compassionate and kind, and that when we see the gospel like the fruit on the tree, it's pleasing and it's desirable and it's effective for wisdom. This week, we have the choice to eat from this tree that appears to be desirable, that which we call the world's temptations or maybe what we feel that we lack or or things that we want, or we have the choice to eat from this tree that is Christ, a metaphor for Christ, of eternal life in Christ, it returns us to a walking with God in the cool of the day in a loving relational way, where we can know him. And when we hear and sense him coming, we can run to him and be in his presence. What's God's provision for you today and for me today? It's a reverse of this. Because blessing always came first. Not the law. Not the expectations of you and of me. What came first was God freely choosing to love and bless his creation. And though we have chosen to go against him, Christ has chosen to come to us to reverse that which is what we celebrate here. I like this story. I like the little details that, that, that they give that, that, that point to future things. I pray as a church that, especially as we deal with each other in the midst of our own sins and the ways we try to cover those up with our little leaves and our our ways. I pray that this gospel not only draws us closer to Christ and closer to God, but also closer to each other as we remind each other in numbers and safety of numbers that I too, I too eat from the tree of, of, of sin.
And it's here today that, that we can declare that that's been dealt with. That's been dealt with. And not only has our sin been forgiven, but God is leading us to that day when we can be with him in a new garden together. Where there are no trees of sin. Where there are no opportunities to turn against him. Because we would want to be with him. That we would want to serve him in worship. Amen. We, take a, we usually take a moment uh, in, in the service just to reflect on maybe a thought that came to your mind. Maybe, maybe my words meant something, maybe they didn't. But maybe this text meant something more. It's a time to, to answer the question, where are you? To privately think and to reflect on not necessarily what you can change. We, I, I tend to focus on that first. How can I fix this? Maybe it's just a time to reflect on the blessing that God's offering us today through the gospel. So let's take a time of silence for reflection and prayer. And then we'll stand and recite what we believe as Christians. So let's, let's take a minute. Amen. Michael, would you lead us? We believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you, Michael. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Uh, we have a few announcements today. Uh, yeah, you can be seated. Uh, we, have, we have Bible study on Tuesday at 7 uh, for the ladies with Jenny and 6.30 on Wednesdays. Uh, with the men on Zoom. So if you'd like to join that, please contact me or, or Jenny. She's, she's in the back by the door. Uh, we will, I've, 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 I've been following the news and I'm looking forward to you know, hanging out with you guys in, in person, in the wild, instead of, <laughs> instead of electronically. So uh, we'll be planning some, some fun stuff once, once the, you know, the establishments and the the places are, are open publicly and officially. So uh, know that that's, that's coming, Dan, and we're excited for that. We're excited to see uh, all of you. Uh, at this time, we're going to take our offering.
uh, are offering supports, some local ministries here, uh, a, a student ministry, a, uh, a homeless shelter, uh, and also we've been we've been supporting um, a, a a local group that's that's started by by Willie and Christopher here called we see, we do see you, which is offering food to um, people who um, who live on the street or maybe are having a hard time finding finding regular meals. So that that money type of that stuff that money goes to those types of things and to the rent of this building and, and whatnot. So if you'd like to support us, it'd mean a ton to us and uh, we appreciate that. So we'll do that now. Asta, if you'd lead us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings that you've given us in Christ Jesus. We thank you for your mercy throughout history that's led to your action in our lives. We thank you for the work of death and resurrection of Christ, the great tree that we can hide behind when you look for sin and justice in the world. We thank you that through him, you've called us to this, this wonderful relationship that's been restored in you. God, give us great faith. Increase our hope. Increase our perspective. Increase our, our ability to discern the difference between what looks good and what feels good, between that and what is right and what brings life. I pray that as we leave, that we would have a new sense of what that is for us. And I pray ultimately that we, that we do hold the words that you've said and the commands that you've given us, that we would hold those in deep respect and as a source for our joy. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, we pray for our city. And we pray for our church. We pray that the gospel would be, would be known. We pray that each and every one of the people in this room today would be a conduit for the gospel in their workplace, in their relationships, in their families. Maybe not in an aggressive way, but in a way that's obvious, that, that we want to live in a way that's different. God, we pray that that those who are on the street, many of those that we've come to know through these various ministries, God, I pray that they would sense your presence. I pray that they would sense your goodness. And I pray that people around would seek to help in, in ways that they can. I pray, God, that you would bless the ministries that, that are taking place in the city and not just ministries that we're a part of, but ministries that, that we know about. Pray, God, that those would be effectual. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. <clears throat> and God, we pray for our world. 
that seems more and more relationally challenged, that there's more and more conflict. Maybe there's not more, but it seems more apparent. It's being documented more, which gives us a, maybe a net more negative view of, of how things are. I'm not sure. But God, we pray that you would move in the midst of conflict, in the midst of war, in the midst of even political conversations of diplomacy and, and peace, God, we pray that you would remove egos, that you would humble leaders, that you would give strength to those who would choose to lead in a way that's just. And we pray that you would take power away from those who would seek to enrich themselves or to abuse other people. And God, we pray there's so much darkness, there's so many disasters and events that happen that people are surprised by, including the last year and the pandemic. God, we pray that you would heal bodies, even, even those who are in this church who've experienced those things. Please move in the world, we pray. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And let's close with the Lord's Prayer, the one that he taught us, which is on our bulletin this morning. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The kingdom come, it will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom I know it sounds cheesy, but we really do have a friend in Jesus. We can go to him. We can talk to him. We can know him. We can enjoy him. Hymn 399. What a friend we have in Jesus. Receive the Lord's benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Thank 